stay and hang in this place right now in the presence of the Lord Lord your will be done in earth as it is in heaven we ask for your spirit to fill us fill every every person here every inch and every corner of this place sense your presence all around us and inside of us. Lord, thank you for being here with us. The atmosphere is changing now. For the spirit of the Lord is here. Evidence is all around. Let the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Overflow in this place, fill our hearts with. 
that your presence is here with us. And as we stand before you here, Lord, we are a sinful people. We stand before a holy God. Lord, would you, would you humble us in your presence? we seek your forgiveness, as we seek your cleansing. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. You, O oh Lord, are a holy God. Just 
Um, Honduras Summer's Mission Opportunity, and that's going to be in July. Um, if you want to find out more about that, talk to Eric and, and Diana. They've gone before. They have the opportunity to bring um, 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 Evan and, and I think Alex along with them this time. That didn't go with them last time. So if you want to join them, contact um, Eric and Diana. 20, 2017 directories are here. So contact Brian, um, Tina, Brian, Tina and Brian Wong uh, for your new directory. Seniors Bible Study is going to be on Thursday, March 2nd um, at Irvine Presbyterian Church. Contact Ron Lynn for more info. The park is going to be meeting on Saturday, March 4th, and that's also going to be at Irvine Press. And then um, we're continuing our spins or sharing pain in New Seasons Fellowship um, and that's going to be on Sunday, March 5th at 11.30. And um, if you're interested in um, um, joining that, please RSVP um, Margaret Yu. And then also join us um, on Sunday, March 5th. This is an opportunity for, um, to join in a family service project with Stop Hunger Now. So I think you've seen some of the um, advertisements on TV with um, Tyler Perry um, where, where they're really promoting the Stop, Stop Hunger Now. This is a great opportunity to, to bring your family and also to serve with, um, with other members of Harvest. So we have quite a few people that have signed up. 
But if you're more interested in this, um, contact Juliet. Um, we would like to get you to sign up online so that um, we, we know who's coming because they're going to be providing lunch on that also. And then um, there's a correction in the bulletin. Save the date for the town hall meeting. That's actually going to be on Sunday, March 26th. It's going to be right after service. So it's not going to be on Friday, March 24th. If you, show up, if you show up at Irvine Press on that day, you might be the only ones. Maybe some other people, but mark your calendar. And, um, you know, I don't know if you heard, but um, um, Brian Lamb lost his father yesterday. Um, so let's keep him and his um, family in prayers. His father um, passed away with a sudden heart attack. So let's, let's keep them in our prayers. Um, Pastor Curtis is going to be um, um, starting a, um, well, continuing um, on the series that we've been on, but we're going to be starting um, this series, studying Lent. And, um, you know, Lent is something that, you know, we as Protestants really, uh, many of us have not participated in or really don't know a lot about. I know that when I was in, when I was in nursery school and preschool, I went to a Catholic nursery school. It's called um, St. Anthony Day Nursery in Torrance. And um, the, um, I remember that, that they had Ash Wednesday where we, we would go to the altar and then, and then the, the priest would give us the sign of the cross. And I didn't really know what that, what that meant you know, as a preschooler, kindergartner, but I did know that it was a sign of, of Christ. You know? And then when I was in high school, um, my friend Pelly you know, um, um, was, um, would go to Catholic Church. So I went with him Ash Wednesday, and then, you know, we had the sign of the cross put on us. But once again, I, I didn't really know. I knew that it was a time of really reflecting on who Jesus is. I knew that it was, it was a time of, of um, remembering what he did for us, but didn't really understand what, what, Lent, what Lent really meant. So I'm sure Curtis is going to explain this very, very clearly to us so that we could apply it to our lives and really understand. But let's turn to um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So if you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles on the side. Turn to um, Hebrews chapter 12. And in this, in this um, NIV version, it's on page 844. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Pastor Curtis. Thank you, Dwayne. Good morning. How many of you think you do know what Lent is? A few of us, okay. Wow, like maybe three or four hands. So hopefully, as Dwayne says, by the end of this message, you'll have a pretty good idea 
of one that tis. But the good news is that this message is intended to help us all for the next 46 days and to help us to be able, actually 50 days, to help us to be able to get ready for Lent, to get ready for what Lent really means. And Lent comes after the seasons that we have already been studying through the Christian year. So we began the study of the Christian year with Advent. And Advent is the season of the coming of Jesus. It's the season when we're looking forward to Jesus' coming. It's the season when we're looking forward to Christmas morning. And then Christmas comes, and that begins the second season of the Christian year. And that's when we receive the gift of Jesus. We receive him and we celebrate him. And we are reminded that God is with us, Emmanuel. And that's the season of Christmas. But after Christmas comes a season, which is the one we've been looking at for the last month and a half, called Epiphany. And Epiphany means light. And it's the season that we understand the ministry of Jesus as he shed his light throughout the world, doing miracles, through his teaching, through his love, through his preparation for his disciples, so that we would be able to know how to walk with Jesus in the light. But now we come to the season of Lent. And Lent is the season where we are journeying with Jesus to the cross. We are journeying with Jesus to the cross so that we can be able to say not just that God is with us, but Lent is so that we can say we are with God. So Advent and Christmas was we are able to receive Jesus as a gift, but Lent is a season where we give ourselves as a gift to God. And that we not only want to understand what God has done for us, but we want to walk with Jesus in that way. And so for today and for this coming six weeks, as we look at Lent, this is the meaning. This is the meaning of Lent. Lent is a journey. Lent is a journey for us so that the purpose of Lent is to journey with Jesus, to experience his sorrows and embrace him in love. Can you say that with me? Let's say it out loud together. The purpose of Lent is to journey with Jesus, to experience his sorrows and embrace him in love. This is our opportunity. This is where you and I get to put ourselves and say, Jesus, I want to encourage you. So many times as we go through our Christian life, we need, obviously, Jesus' comfort for us. And when we feel sorrow for our sins, that's a good thing. But this season of Lent is not just so that we feel sorrow for our sins, but so that we also feel Jesus' sorrow. Jesus' sorrow. Have you ever been with somebody who you love very much, and they're hurting very deeply, and so you begin to feel their pain? That's what we want to do here in the season of Lent. We want to go to Jesus, journey with him as he's journeying to Jerusalem, as he's journeying to the cross, so that we can be able to experience some of his pain, to experience his sorrow, and to embrace him in love. If you look at your outline, you'll see a quote there from a theologian, and his name is Alexander Schmemann. And he says this, if you look on your outline, he says, a journey, this is what he defines Lent as, a journey, a pilgrimage, Yet, as we begin it, as we make the first step into the bright 
sadness of Lent. We see far, far away the destination. It is the joy of Easter. It is the entrance into the glory of the kingdom. Lent is an opportunity for us to enter into what he calls a bright sadness. And what is sad about it is, of course, that Jesus is headed towards the cross. But the brightness is knowing that Easter will come. Easter will come. Lent comes from an Anglo word, which means length. And it actually was used for the word in Old English, lengthen, which means springtime. And of course, we are entering into springtime season, as we always do during the Easter season. And so the natural season of the world helps us to experience what Easter and what Lent is about. We've been in a long winter here. This has actually been a good winter for us in California. We're experiencing cold and we're experiencing darkness. We're experiencing rain. We've experienced tremendous storms and lightning and thunder. And this darkness happens in our lives as well. It happened in the life of Jesus during Lent. He was walking into the storm clouds of darkness towards death. But just as in season of of springtime, that the plants begin to grow and things begin to turn green. And that which was dark is now bright. There's a hope in Lent as well. Lent begins this coming Wednesday called Ash Wednesday. And it follows through the next 46 days until Silent Saturday. And Silent Saturday is the day before, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And there's 46 days from Ash Wednesday until Silent Saturday. And it represents the 40 days of Jesus' fasting in the desert. So where did we get these other six days? Well, those are the six Sundays that happened during Lent. Why did they put Sundays into the celebration? Now, Lent is not in the Bible, okay? There's no passage in the Bible that teaches us about Lent. It is a Christian tradition. And you go, well, is it okay to do this Christian tradition? Well, we celebrate Christmas, right? And, and there's no teaching in the Bible to celebrate Christmas, but we embrace that. We celebrate Easter Resurrection Day, and also that's not taught in the Bible necessarily, but, but every Sunday, every Sunday is a reminder to us of the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why the early Christians met on Sundays, was to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So the early church leaders, when they made Lent, they added Sundays to it as a reminder that even while we're fasting, even while we're praying, even while we're going through a dark season of life, one day a week, we remember the sunshine. One day a week, we remember Easter. One day a week, we remember the resurrection. And so that's why there are these Sundays interspersed every week. Every six days, there's Lent, there's the suffering, there's the sorrow of Jesus. But then there's Sunday, and it's like a mini Easter. So that during Lent, we're, we're still reminded, we're still reminded that there's hope, even though there's sorrow. And so we want to embark upon understanding this. How can I? How can I live out this purpose? How can I experience Jesus' sorrow? How can I learn to embrace him with love during this time? Well, there's four disciplines that we're going to see this morning that will help us as we continue to walk with Jesus as he journeys to the cross. Let me just stop here for a moment of prayer, and I just invite you to open up your heart to the Lord that he might teach you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and and for this opportunity for us to learn something new 
to try to understand for us as, as Protestants, those who don't normally celebrate Lent, what it means. Lord, as we have embarked on this year-long series of, of understanding what the Christian year is, we come to this season in the Christian year called Lent. Father, we pray that we might learn its purposes. We pray that we might learn its practices. And we pray that these practices of discipline would help us to embrace Jesus in love because we have experienced his sorrows with him. So, Father, we thank you for giving to us so much. And we pray, Father, that we would give ourselves to you as well for all that you have done. In your name we pray. Amen. So on Ash Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, as Dwayne said, if you were to go to a service of a church that has it, the pastor, the priest, would, would put some ashes on your forehead with the sign of the cross. So what's that all about? Well, first of all, Ash Wednesday comes from the two ideas, one of ash, of course, and what ash stands for is repentance. Ash is a symbol of desolation. For example, after a city had been ransacked and burned down, there would be ash. And it would be a reminder of all the desolation that has happened. When we come to God and we recognize our need for him, sometimes we just feel so broken because we've done something really bad. And we feel this spirit of desolation in us. And so there is this ash that represents that feeling of desolation. What Jesus went through was desolation. In his death, it was like his going through that time where his spirit was giving up for all the sins of the world, a time where he experienced what we would say, a spirit where we were in ashes. But then there's also dust. And dust is also part of the remembrance of Ash Wednesday. And you might say that the ash, or it was like dust that was put on the forehead of the person if you go to a church. Now, there's three main churches that celebrate Ash Wednesday, and they are the Catholic Church, as was mentioned before, but there's also the Methodist Church, and there's also the Lutheran Church. And if you're interested in celebrating or learning more about Ash Wednesday, um, I looked online, and Good, uh, what's it, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church up here on Irvine um, Center Drive in Yale, they have a Ash Wednesday service this Wednesday. They have it at noon, and they have it at 7 p.m., so if you're interested, you can look into that. But there are other churches that have it as well, and you can look for that if you're interested. But it is a reminder to us that we have to repent. And the way of our repentance begins through self-examination. Through self-examination. We begin to look at our own lives. We begin to understand that what happened to Adam will happen to us. Remember in Genesis when Adam sinned, God had to lay a discipline upon him. And there was going to be a consequence for his sin. And that consequence is death. And all of us are going to experience that. And in that, God said to Adam, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And if you go to a service, the priest or the pastor, when he puts the sign of the cross on you, would say something like this, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return return. And we think about that for a moment. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Well, that's a reminder to us that, that we're going to die, and that we are going to have to stand before God. And so that's what self-examination is in this time of repentance. 
is for us to be able to be honest with ourselves, to do a self-inventory of our heart and of our soul. We all know it's important for our own physical health to do self-examinations, to take care of ourselves. But it's even more important for our souls that we do a self-examination to look into our hearts. Now, God will help us. God will help us. Open your Bible with me, please, to the middle book of the Bible, the biggest book of the Bible, which is what? Psalms, right? So turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139, verse 23. Psalm 139, verse 23. And we'll read it together. I want to read from um, my version, and you read from whatever version you're reading right now. Let's begin. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so as we begin to search ourselves, as we begin to do this self-examination, we ask God to help us. We ask God, as the psalmist asked, God, search me, show me, help me to see my heart. Help me to see where there's anxiety in my spirit and in my thoughts. Help me to see where I've offended you. Help me to see where I've offended someone else. And then lead me, God. Lead me out of this. Help me, Lord, so that I don't remain in this place, so that I can truly repent. In the New Testament, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, you can see it up there on the screen. I'll read it. And it says, this is from the message version of the Bible. Test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along, taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. And that's what we are doing here through self-examination. We are seeking to ask God to help us to see the things that are in us, that are keeping us from being able to embrace Jesus, that are keeping us from being able to experience Jesus. So we want our faith to grow. It's a positive thing to do a self-examination. It's a good thing so that we know how we can walk with God. John Wesley, who was one of the founders of Methodism, um, would meet with other people when he was a student, and I think it was at Oxford, and he wrote down in his own diary 21 questions that they would ask one another so that there would be spiritual accountability with each other. And these are searching questions. If you look at your outline, you'll see that there's seven of them there, and there's actually 21. So if you turn on the back of your outline, you'll see the other eight. I'm starting with eight, you'll see the other 14. But I just want to look at the first seven, okay? And you can look at the other ones later. And I strongly encourage you to look at them and to think about them because these are great searching questions for our soul. Number one is, do I give the Bible time to speak to me every day? Not just do I read it, but do I hear what God's saying to me through it? Number two is, am I enjoying prayer? Not just am I praying, but am I enjoying my relationship and conversation to God with prayer? Number three, when did I last speak to someone else about my faith? When was the last time I shared with somebody else that I believe in God, that I believe in Jesus? 
When was the last time that I let somebody else know that I'm a Christian? Number four, do I insist upon doing something about which my conscience is uneasy? Am I continually doing something that I know I really shouldn't do? Number five, am I self-conscious, self-pitying, or self-justifying? And that one strikes me really hard, because I know I'm guilty of that one. Self-conscious, self-pitying, self-justifying. Number six, the greatest sin of the Bible in the Bible has told us that it is pride. Number six, am I proud? Am I proud? Number seven, is Christ real to me? Is Christ real to me? And that really is the purpose of Lent, is so that we would see the meaning of Christ's love for us. We walk with him, and we experience that Christ indeed is real to us. And so as we experience God's love and as we experience Lent, it is a cleansing time. It is a good time. It is somewhat painful, but it is also that which leads us to the greatest joy possible. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, would you turn with me there in your Old Testament to Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, and that'll be after Psalms, maybe part of the major prophets. So you'll see Isaiah... Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, verse 3. I'll read it and you can follow along. This is Daniel talking. So I turned to the Lord. I turned to the Lord. And I pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. So here we see the, the ashes that we talk about with Ash Wednesday. And it is ashes that lead us into a time of prayer. We understand that this is what we need. And, and very much associated with Lent, and probably if you only have a little bit of knowledge of Lent, um, you've probably heard about this, like where you give up something for Lent, right? And, and so the, during these 40 days, you give up something for Lent. And, and there's been studies done. And last year, this one study was done, and it just sort of took it for whatever it was. It didn't matter if it was serious or not. But it's called Open Bible. It was their website. And they did a, a survey on the top 10 things that people are going to give up for Lent. And so the idea is that you give something up for Lent so that you experience something of your own weakness, or you experience something like, gosh, I really have something here that controls me, and so I don't want that to control me. I'd rather have God controlling me. Or there's something in our lives that we know we need to pray about, so we give up something to remind us to pray. Well, the number one thing in the top ten is what do you think it would be? Starts with a C. Chocolate. Okay, chocolate was number one. Uh, Number two, social networking. Number two is social networking. Um, number three was alcohol. Alcohol. Bummer, man. No beer. All right. Number four and five were Twitter and Facebook, which is, again, you know, that's social networking, right? So three out of the top five deal with social networking. Number six was school. 
So we'll give up school for Lent. Number seven was meat. Number eight was candy or sweets, desserts. Number nine shouldn't be on the list at all. It's coffee. Um, (laughs) Number 10, soda. Okay, what, you know, you can give those up, right? But I want want to encourage you to think about it now as we go into this section here on prayer and fasting. Is that what we give up is to help encourage our desire for God. See, the idea of fasting is not to hurt. The idea of fasting is not to give something up so God's proud of you. The idea of fasting isn't to be able to say, woohoo, I did it. You know, the idea of fasting is to create a hunger, right? It is to create a hunger for that which is right. In fact, next Sunday, we're going to be living out the kind of fast that God wants us to. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that the kind of fast that really pleases God is when we care for the needs of the poor. And so we can give up something of ourselves, maybe give up a meal and give that money to help the poor. But whatever it is that we give up, it's not just so that we give it up and God's proud of us because we've done some ascetic practice to hurt ourselves, but rather so that we have given ourselves some space and some time to pray. And something that will remind us to pray. Something that will strip away those things that that are cluttering our lives, that's making our lives too busy so that I can spend more time with God. And always remember this, that fasting is free will. It is something that you have a choice to do. You don't have to do it. But if you choose to do it, then you'll be obeying what God has given to us as an opportunity to go closer to him. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 15, said this, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. Then they will fast. See, that is a very good picture of what's happening here during Lent. Jesus is the bridegroom, and he is walking towards the cross. And as he is walking towards the cross, the disciples do not yet understand all that's going to happen to Jesus and why it has to happen. But the moment that the bridegroom is taken away from them and Jesus is suffering and he begins to experience the agony of the cross, they they no longer want to eat. They begin to fast. Have you ever been so sad or so sick that your appetite just goes away? That was your body naturally fasting so that you could deal with what you were going through, so that you could focus on what you were mourning about, so that you could embrace what was happening in your life. Your body just sort of naturally caused you to fast. This is what Jesus was talking about for his disciples, is that when Jesus, the the disciples' Lord, was crucified, put on the cross, they would now fast. They would now stop eating for a time to dwell upon their Lord and to learn about him. Jesus fasted. And again, remember, this is a celebration, and it is at the same time a remembrance of the 40 days where Jesus was in the desert, Why did he go to the desert? It was at the beginning of his ministry. Why did Jesus go to the desert for 40 days? One was just to be alone with his father to pray. To be alone with his father to pray. And two, it was to to build his dependence on God. To build his dependence on the father. This is what happens for you and me too when we fast. 
We begin to build a deeper dependence on God. And we also have time to pray. Just think, when Jesus came out of the desert, what happened? He was met by the evil one. He was met by the devil. And he was given three temptations. And the first temptation was what? What was the first temptation? To turn rocks into bread. And Jesus' response was, man does not live by bread alone. See, that was fresh on Jesus' mind and heart. He had gone through the desert for 40 days without any bread. And this was a miraculous fast. He had also gone without 40 days without water. And in this, he responds to the evil one. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so God wants us to see that there is a purpose behind our not eating. When Jesus said that, of course, it has many different meanings. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. So in other words, instead of me putting bread into my mouth, I am now during Lent receiving God's bread through his word to feed within me my soul. To feed within me my soul. And I pray as I fast. Now, there are different types of fasts that are in the Bible. There's the partial fast, and that's where we restrict ourselves from certain foods. So an example of that was Daniel and his friends. When, when they were taken off and they were escorted out of their land and they had to eat the king's food, they said, no, I don't want to eat the king's food. I'm just going to eat like cabbage and I'll just drink soup and you see what happens to my body. Well, that, that's a partial fast. Right? We, we, we stay away. That's what most of us do. We give up chocolate or we give up something that would help us to pray. That's a partial fast. We give up drink. We give up a meal, maybe. We give up meat. We give up dairy. We give up eggs. We give up oil. We can give up sweets. We could give up coffee. We can give up something that helps us to remind ourselves to pray, a partial fast. Then there's a normal fast, and that's where what the Jews would do at least once a year uh, during the Day of Atonement. They wouldn't eat food for 24 hours. They wouldn't drink anything but water for 24 hours. And that's a normal fast. And then there's the absolute fast, which is no food and no water. For you and me, the maximum would probably be a day and a half. But there were some miraculous fasts in the Bible, like Jesus, where he was able to go with God's grace 40 days without food and 40 days without water. Now, why, again, would we do this? The reason is so that we would pray, so that we would pray. Um, the last few weeks I've been giving the children that were here during the children's sermon last month um, a, a special, like, I don't know, I call it a gift, but also a reminder, an opportunity for them to continue to learn from God's word because we were talking about bread three weeks ago. That man does not live by bread alone, but that God is, gives us the bread and Jesus is the bread of life. And I said, well, you know what happens is this bread that I'm giving you, if you eat it, it's going to go away and your bag's going to be empty. So come to me. And every Sunday, I'll put something else back in your bag to remind you that God keeps feeding us, that God keeps giving us something. So today, um, last week, um, I gave them money, and uh, they were supposed to use that money to go buy something for somebody else and then tell them that Jesus loves them. Um, two weeks ago, I gave them candy. I gave them Skittles. And I said, before you eat every Skittle, you have to thank God for one blessing that you have. Well, today, um, I'm giving them pretzels, Okay. So why would I give them pretzels? Um, well, I found out that pretzels um, were actually a, a, a dough, a bread, that was made for Lent. It was, it was started in the 5th century in Europe, and it was made for Lent. 
And so they, they had dough, which everybody has throughout history, and so they turned it into a picture. And so the pretzel is a picture of a person praying with their, their palms on each of their shoulders and in this, this attitude of prayer. Okay? And so that's the history of the pretzel. I thought that was amazing. That's awesome. Now I can eat more pretzels. Um, but it reminds me to pray, to pray. P, right? Pretzel, pray. And so, um, so I gave this to the kids. And, and I gave them the same verse that we read earlier. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my thoughts. Point out anything you find in me that makes you sad and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Um, so for the parents who get this, I, I tried to find gluten-free ones, uh, but I couldn't, so they're not gluten-free. So hopefully those kids who, who can't eat that won't eat those or I'll be in trouble. Um, but God has blessed us with an opportunity to pray because this is part of our practice. This helps us to achieve our purpose, to journey with Jesus, to experience his sorrows, and to embrace him in love. And even as we saw with Daniel, that it was an opportunity for Daniel to say, now, Lord, I'm turning to you, and I'm turning to your word. We are going to listen. We are going to obey. And this is the third discipline for us during the season of Lent, to meditate on God's word, to feed my faith in Jesus to meditate on God's word, to feed my faith in Jesus. Now, we talk about faith a lot, but, but in the way that we're talking about today, what I would say is that to embrace Jesus in love is faith. Faith is embracing Jesus in love. That's our goal. That's our desire. That's our hope. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 in the message version says this, and you have it there on your outline, and you can follow along on there, or you can look on the screen. And there it says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Steady how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Those last two sentences. It's about faith, is that when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you're wavering, when you're doubting, when you're hurting, when you're wandering, go over that story. What story? The sentence, two sentences before. He put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. That as we journey with Jesus to the cause, we are going over that story again and again for 40 days. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. And what's the result? That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. 
just to dwell upon Jesus, to look at Jesus. That's our intent. That's our purpose over the next 40 days. We've been going through a book called Living the Christian Year, and if you have that book, if you were to open it up to page 140, you'll see that it's, there's a devotional there on Ash Wednesday. And so if you have the book, that would usher you into this next six weeks of the devotions that are in this book. And so if you already have that book, there are devotions there for the 40 days. But if you don't have that book or if you want to do something different, um, there are other great ways you can do it. Um, and one is through um, a, either online or with the app of Bible Gateway. And if you go to Bible Gateway, you'll see they have different uh, devotionals that you can use for Lent. There's one that is done by, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's works. There's one that's done from Dallas Willard's works. And there's one in general called Lent Devotions. And you can see that in Bible Gateway. And then what's really cool is if you sign up for it, you'll get emails on it and you'll get alerts to your phone so that you'll remember to do it every day. And the other one is the U version. And a lot of people use the U version Bible. Um, and if you were to go online, it's Bible.com. But again, there you can sign up for emails to be sent to your phone or to your email. And, and there's different ones there that you can do. There's one called Lent for Everyone. And there's one that, if you, know, if you wanted to know which one I'd recommend, the one I'd recommend is called Preparing Our Hearts for Easter. Preparing Our Hearts for Easter in the U version. Um, that one's done by um, Tim Keller and his church, Redeemer Church in New York. And um, I, I know you'll be blessed by any of these. Uh, but you can sign up. You can do a devotion to seek God, not just to spend time, but to meditate on his word to meditate on God and his word so that we can embrace Jesus, so that we can live out our purpose of journeying with Jesus to experience his sorrows and to embrace him in love. And when we do this, when we do this, the fourth discipline will be that we will want to spread the knowledge of Christ and to share his triumph. Turn with me in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. As Jesus has been walking towards the cross, he's been doing it with a purpose. And the purpose is, of course, that he is going to bear all of our sin. But he knows that despite the fact that he is going to go through death, he is going to rise again. But he still must go through that sorrow just as we must go through sorrow. And as we walk with him, we are walking with him, experiencing this sorrow, but we also have this faith. We have this faith of what's going to happen come Easter morning. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14, would you read it out loud with me, whichever version you have? Let's begin. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. That the end result of our faith in Jesus, the end result of our embracing Jesus in love, the end result of experiencing his sorrow is also to experience his triumph. And not just for us, but for others as well. That this is our Easter, this is our resurrection triumph, this is our hope of where Lent is going to end, that we are going to be able to come to a place of understanding the sufferings of Christ, loving him more, and then even more rejoicing in his resurrection. 
But for that, we know we must also go through difficulties and loss. At the bottom, I say there, who are some family and friends that you would pray for, that you know need Jesus? Who are people that you know in your life who need Jesus, who you could invite to harvest come Easter Sunday? But more importantly, you know, just coming to church won't necessarily change someone's life. 70% of people I hear that come to know Jesus in a real way come through through a friend. That means you. That God is going to use you, your family, and your friends who need the Lord. You are going to be their witness to share with them the fragrance of God's love, to share with them the hope of God's resurrection, to share with them the triumph over sin that Jesus brings. Maybe the people that you might even focus on is, is who in your life right now is going through darkness? Who do you know that's going through a hard time, that is going through the sorrows of life? They're the ones who are probably most primed to want because they need so much the hope that God brings. You can pray for them and encourage them and share your faith with them of the hope of the resurrection and share with them that they can know that Jesus became a man and suffered just as they suffered, that they can share in his resurrection, share in his hope, and share in his glory so that we together can journey with Jesus experience his sorrows, but not just that, but experience his resurrection as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We pray, Father, that we have learned a little bit more about what Lent can mean, that it is an opportunity for us to practice, an opportunity for us to live out our purpose of loving Jesus more and more and of sharing this love with others. Lord, I pray that for all of us, Lent this year would be most meaningful, most vital, most life-transforming. Lord Jesus, have mercy on us and lead us in your way. In your name we ask. Amen. We're going to continue worship uh, the Lord with uh, giving back to God, and so I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and ask the back.